consistent self-improvement everybody you are now listening to american gypsy podcast i am your host classic and i am here with my co-host gypsy and today we have cassandra gordon she is a london-based award-winning multidisciplinary artist and a digital content creator and host of black creative handbook podcast welcome to the show cassandra welcome Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. Much appreciated. So to get started, um, tell us a little bit about London and kind of about how you got started doing what you do. Okay. What do you want to know about London? Um, it's not like Mary Poppins. I tell you that. <laughs> I tell you, it's not like that. Um, you what I, I love about London, though. Are you from London? I think he assumed I was you're... not born from London, but oh, I live yes. in London. Right, London. Oh, yes. okay, yeah, yeah. I guess I did say something. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so I've I've lived in. So I I would call myself a Londoner, definitely. I pay my taxes here. I live here. I reside here. So I call myself a Londoner, but I did not. I was not born in London. Um, London is very expensive. <laughs> if you come over, it's very very expensive. But London, you can never get bored. There's so much different cultures, different people. There's so much things to do, so much in the arts, so much creative things happen in London. You can never get bored. So that is the main reason why I'm in London. And you asked me about what we do. Was that the question? Yes, I guess kind of sliding into that. I usually ask because I'd let our listeners know that we're in L.A. and the person that we're talking to or that I guess is somewhere else. And I even like to educate myself on, you know, where... I guess the person that we're talking to can educate us on where they are, even if I've never been or something like that. So that's usually why I open up with that question. Uh, I was going to say, did you uh, grow up in in London or did you come from somewhere else? So where are you from originally? Cool. I knew it was getting there. And when people ask that in um, in in England or London to a black person, where, um, where are you from? They usually mean, why are you not? white so basically <laughs> how i got here is a long history lesson the empire so basically you know the story british people european people went to africa the colonized places take people they went to jamaica via jamaica my parents are from jamaica born and bred in jamaica and because jamaica was a british colony in the 50s and the 60s after the world war the second world war they asked the commonwealth the ex-colonies um to come to the motherland england or britain great britain to build up the economy for economic stuff so my grandparents left my left my dad and then the other set of grandparents left my my mom in jamaica until they were adolescents brought them over into England and started a life. And that's how I got here. But I am British, if people might not see me that way. I was born and bred here. Um, but I do see myself as Afro-Caribbean or British Jamaican. So yeah, it's, um, it's such a loaded question when people ask me, especially in Britain, where where are you from? Um, some people are just really interested or some people just want to know, why are you not white? <laughs> I actually have a sister. Um that was sent to London when she was young and she grew up there. So she still lives in London, but you know, 
I'm originally, I'm Eritrean. I grew up in Ethiopia. Um, so my family is spread out all over the place or all around the world. So I can understand like migrating to different places and, you know, the kids grow up there. So they're like, oh, we're Swedish or we're, you know, British. So. And it's, you know, it's definitely, a, a, I could say, a, a, not a new topic, but it is some history, there's some history that's kind of being pulled up now that a lot of people are kind of more onto, a lot of people still aren't, aren't onto it. But even for us, you know, as far as here in America, Dane Calloway is a big name that's out there that's kind of uh, bringing a, a lot of attention to more, he, say, he says Niji people, but he speaks of Black people of America and also exposing that we are the originals of this land. And that goes along, right, the aboriginals of this land. And, you know, it's something that a lot of people are still having to look into or don't understand the whole science behind, I can't even say science, the, the, the knowledge that he's bringing to the table because it kind of debunks Pan-Africanism. So that's one of the things that, you know, it's knowing where you're from, knowing the roots of your people, knowing all of that is something that even for myself, I've learned. So even when people kind of ask me, you know, kind of where I'm from, I have a little bit, a little, you know, enough knowledge to know that I can't necessarily just jump to saying that I'm, uh, my roots necessarily came straight from Africa. Half maybe, but, you know, my great grandfather is 100% white. So I do know that that's a whole nother direction of, of bloodline and also know that on my father's side and even my mother's side if you talk to them they'll say yeah there was Indian in the family so what they teach us in school over here is definitely a complete different you know thing than if you're almost talking within your family members or if you do have a connection to your elders to ask here in America where your people are from you get different answers than what's in the history book Thank you for sharing that Um, because I feel like, you know, I guess, you know, African-Americans, you have a different way of how you got onto the certain land or where you reside. And as Afro-Caribbean or British Jamaican, I have a different history, a different route of how I got onto this land, but we all came from Africa. And correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but with the history, um, at least you know you can trace back you if you really want to yeah. you know one minute the, you know I'm sorry you, you broke up for a second are you still there for me asking my grandparents who can you hear me Okay, I can hear you now. Okay, perfect. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yeah. Looking at my internet, it looks it looks good. I'm sorry about that. It's just basically what I'm trying to say to you in a nutshell. It's just it's tricky for me to understand my ancestry because in Jamaica they don't always um, record the information. People go by different names. I don't know the real names of my some of my 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 um, my relatives because until their funeral, 
because they don't give proper names. It's not like they're dodgy. It's just a thing. People always have aliases, mm-hmm. right? And I've been hiring a genealogist to find out like what's happening. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a painful journey trying to figure out where I'm from. You know, look at my name, Cassandra Gordon or Cassandra Lauren Gordon. You know, Gordon is a Scottish slave owner name. Cassandra is a Greek name. I wish I was like brought up like my Nigerian or my Ghanaian or my African brothers, but their name, when you see their name, it means something and there's a lineage, you know? Yes. Uh, yeah, sorry to go too deep into that, but I'm very into looking into relationships and looking at heritage because I'm always searching due to my circumstances being on this British land. Um, there's lots of conflict and there's, you know, it's hard to navigate through these uh, white spaces. Yeah. And there's been such, you know, a uh, destruction of history purposely, you know, which has made it complicated and they've, you know, intentionally made it complicated for us to be able to, you know, just trace our history, at least, of course, over here. For her, it's different. <laughs> she kind of has the family history there. But it's it's pretty um it's pretty interesting. So I guess we'll slide on past where you're from. I've learned a good bit about that. Um How but- it's complicated. I should I should I should I should have told you it's complicated and then we could just leave left that alone. So sorry about that. Oh, no, it wasn't, no, 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 it wasn't anything <laughs> that we wanted to leave along. I definitely loved uh, jumping into it. And um, like I said, it's, I just didn't want to, we don't have to stay on that one because I know that I want to get into how you got into the podcasting and to other things like that. And even, you know. Um, so I was going to ask how, when did you first get into creating jewelry and how did you get inspired to get into that? Okay, I I have to reflect. Um, I knew when I was like, okay, so I started jewelry quite late um, because my parents told me I couldn't do anything creative. (laughs) They said, you either be a doctor, something, something, something. So I have degrees which I don't use. And I did an evening course in my 20s of learning how to make a silver ring. And when I made my first silver ring, I just fell in love with it. And I've been self-teaching going on courses ever since that was about 10 years ago that's how I did it but I always felt I always loved jewelry and and it had so much of a meaning like when I was nine years old my mom bought me a locket a gold locket and my mom is Jamaican I said like immigrant background so it's not like some of my white counterparts where they're but the mom like, I love you, hug, tell me about your feelings, la, 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 la. I knew when she gave me that piece of jewelry, I knew that I was loved, you know what I mean? I knew I was loved, but it just enhanced the feeling, you know, jewelry means love, it's strengthened relationships. So I always think, okay, where was my first type of connection to jewelry? It's when I was around nine years old, but when I started making it in my 20s. How did you, how long have you been doing podcasts and what, what, I guess, what inspired you to get into that? First of all, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, I started a podcast about two years ago, just before the pandemic, I think. And I just wanted a space 
to connect to people, like-minded people like yourselves. And I wanted to learn information as a creative, how to get to A to B. Because on YouTube, because on Instagram, a lot of people show this Instagram life. Like everyone's got their life together. Everyone is stunting. And then sometimes I used to get really upset when you see a lot of marketers online, like if you just do my course for £3,000 or $3,000 or $27, we can teach you how to do your sales funnel or, and blah, blah, blah. And because at the time I didn't have enough belief in myself that I could do things by myself, I used to just go on courses. I used to pay for strategy meetings. I used to, and I was like, oh my God, why isn't this information free? A lot of these courses just regurgitate the same information you can find on YouTube or from podcasts. So if creatives don't have a lot of money of paying someone to do something full-time, why can't I give creatives the information what they need to survive and to thrive in these, in these places? Because if you decide to be creative, it's very difficult, <laughs> especially if you're a Black creative, but sometimes you, know, you don't have that generational wealth you got black tax, I call it black tax, maybe um, you have to give money each month to your parents or to family back home, whatever back home means to you. You have financial stresses. You're doing a job where you're not just doing things for yourself. You're representing your whole community and that's stress and you can't make any mistakes. You have to work twice as hard than your other counterparts. All these stresses, being a creative and just to, to get a, and usually, someone like Kanye West who if you like him or not or another black well-known entertainer or creative you usually see their success story when they've made it what happens when they are in the on the grind what happens then what happens when your parents says get a nine to five job or if, if your mom says get out of my house unless you get a job like where is that community to uplift creatives when you're creating and you're not making so much money or when you have doubts or you have no one supporting around you. And I feel like in my twenties or if I was a young person, I was younger, if I had a podcast or if I had a community where you said, just stick to your gut, just create and be happy and find out how to make a living with it. I would have, I wouldn't have gone to uni. I would have been creative since I was 16 17 years old and built my skills and we had like 10 or 15 years of good experience and a good portfolio so I think this I think this podcast is very important to me I guess you can hear my passion yeah. is because sometimes when you don't create or you're allowed to create it can create a lot of like problems you know internally and I had to fight not fight per se like no one's getting hurt but I have to really like program my mind like I'm here to create I'm here to share knowledge and I just want to help as much creatives as, as, as possible. So that's how I got into doing the black creative um, handbook podcast. So it's supposed to be like the handbook to help you to stay creative and to make money. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough. We kind of experienced the things I've, I've done music most of my life and kind of shifted into podcasting recently. And it's been a, a nice place for me as well. Even I guess, you know, just coming from music, but it's, it's a similar frustration and it, you know, I'm glad you even mentioned it, even for yeah. listeners out there, um, as a creator, it's, it's, it's hard. 
and you mentioned a lot of key things is, you know, even just trying to get support from people. And I, I've looked at it, you know, over the past few weeks, maybe even just, I had a little experience and I realized we've kind of just been programmed. Um, and it, it's more, it's, it's, a, it's a lot more, the more I look into it, it realizes it's been within the past 20 years. It's been since we've had social media and it, you know, a lot of people don't understand it, but before social media, you know, there wasn't a etiquette to social media, you know, so you can create your own etiquette. It's a place, you know, you can come in and create a little monopoly of, of, you know, a team, even if it's dealing with your family, if you got 10, 20 creators in your family and y'all want to get your YouTube going, you know, that shouldn't be as hard as we've made it as a culture. We kind of jumped straight into social media and said, Hey, you know, we're going to be divided. You know, we're not going to necessarily, and it could be as a family, some families may do it, but you know, I've, we've seen it purely. And like for you to mention you're in a whole other country, but even for you to mention that, you know, you've had that, that frustration as a, a creator to get your things going or to just kind of get the ball rolling and get support. And we've created this thing in family. Like, no, I'm not going to press subscribe. I'm not going to press like, I'm not going to comment. Yes. I know the algorithm, the algorithm is working against you. Yeah. Just like today's system. So if the algorithm is working against the creator and the people are working against the creator, then there's no support in that way when all it actually takes is a group of strong-minded creators too to be like all right we're going to create something to where if you need to get your your youtube channel to monet you know monetization you know what's we we have a network so welcome this is a person welcome to the the club they're creator they're bringing this content they do this so here it is email blast and you have this circle of people that help this person either get more subscribers or, you know, just build a lot faster than what it takes. I've, I've been a street performer before, you know, millions of people have come through and it's easier to get people to drop money in a bucket than it is to get them to press subscribe on your YouTube channel. You can have all of that information up there, but they would much rather pull money out and put it in a bucket than to kind of, help you for the long term and social media success kind of it can be a long-term thing and for some reason as a as a people or just the world you know for creators if you have if you have a decent kind of family mind even when it comes down that's what's kind of you know disturbing it it comes down to a certain mindset of people you know, so do you, if you have this large mindset of people of understanding, okay, I don't have to even drop money. All I have to do is just press, or he sent out a text message and I press like and forward and everybody in the family, we got a hundred, three, 400 people in our family. I know everybody is on social media. So if you can just press subscribe and we only have one, two creators in the family. So it's not like you really have a whole, you know, a lot of people that oh, I'm going to be doing this for a long time, but Hey, he started when he was 16, he's 20 years old. He got support from this and got the thing rolling. 
So now he's making income coming out of high school with his, you know, with his um, social media network. And you would think that this could be something that we would really just run in as a people and take advantage of and figure out how, okay, this is like cryptocurrency to us, but it wasn't used that way. So we've got to, we, we, we're trying to figure it out, like, like get get real, real. to get involved or support and how do you get social media to support? And then you understand how Instagram or social media is also fake because you have about 85% of it is bots and trolls and scam artists. So it's a, it's a never ending puzzle at the moment, but do know that it is a new brainwash. Social media hasn't been around that long. Who created this, this behavior on this type of social media platform? So if it's this divided on social media and it's a new platform, it, then we must have been divided before the social media platform. It, I don't, I can't even necessarily say that it, we're divided because of social media. No, we could have started a new type of um, unity culture, but you know, this is reality. So as a creator, you know, I've, as I've shifted from doing music, you know, that's a, all right, I'm gonna put this creative, um, I guess, task down and pick up this creative task and see if it'll get any different results. Maybe it was just this, maybe if I'm doing this, that'll get a, there are better results. There are different results, but it's just as random as before. It's not necessarily like, all right, let me, send a blast out to my family and see if somebody will press subscribe. Yeah, I haven't, we've, that's the hardest thing to do. We still trying to crack that puzzle. Has it ever worked with you to where you've been able to send out a, a massive text? I don't know, you know, no, no. I just feel like it's a shame. Like why is this, you know, other cultures support their own cultures. You know, they see the, the long-term game and the benefit, and it just seems there's a commonality across the pond, across where we are, where people don't like to support their own people. I don't know if that's down to <laughs> colonization, where people were divide, divided and um, divide and conquer, you know, where you're stripped away from your identity. You don't see that kind of unity. So you don't have your tribe. Uh, I, I don't know it's very it's very very upsetting when that happens but I tried to be positive and I know it happens but I try to just reach out to people who are like-minded like yourself who are supportive of black people and want to see people to win so I can't in turn I try to resist and try to not internalize that narrative that black people don't support black people or your family I can't. I want to tell you make... this, black people, because I'm sure other content creators and other races probably. I'm know yeah. it's the same thing because in the spiritual world, it's it's an overall um, type of energy that they do have or acceptance and understanding. Okay, family is not going to be there, and you know you're going oh, to have you. your spiritual happiness regardless. Okay, so yeah. you're talking about family, so maybe I misunderstood, but yeah. Um... Just general, a, you know, it's it's layers to it though. Yeah, from family to you know a certain general public that you people may know you personally to you know, it's there's there are layers to it. Like you said, even it. just getting the ball rolling. Like I said, to have a 
someone be inspired, someone in your family that's 11, 12 years old to be inspired to want to be a creative as well. And, you know, you really want to give them that, hey, yeah, oh yeah, just, you know, family can help you or we could do this and, you know, get this started and then get the, but you know, the reality check when they get to a certain point is more like, well, yeah, when you're creative, you know, you don't, it's like, it's hard to, to be optimistic about it all the way when you do have people in other spiritual communities telling you, hey, you know, I know that your ancestors want you to help your family, but also you're going to understand that it's going to be a different type of, you know, one by one when it comes to support as creatives. And that's kind of our experience, but we don't want that to continue. We don't want that to have to be, like I said, the same situation for the other person in the family or, or just period. The other creators out there who don't have any creators in the family, when that one creative comes along, they don't know what to do to help that creator. And it's like, a lot of times they just have to really know that yes, it's called family unity or it's called unity altogether, you know, because it could be all friends. I've been around a bunch of people that weren't family and they, it was, it's the same thing, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a puzzle, but as a creator, I definitely have learned to shift, you know, cause it's, it's been a while for me. Um, music wise I've taken a break from it I'm getting back close to it though as a creator but I it won't be the same mindset as before or you know I'm willing I'm looking to perform period or I'm looking to release anything period or I'm look you know that's kind of how suppressed you realize you know when you're when you're creating is it for someone or is it for myself so sometime when you can dial back to say, all right, I'm, well, we can say this, I'm doing this podcast here more for myself. I want to talk to people like you. I want to learn from people like you. And this is not necessarily about, you know, getting a bunch of views, getting, you know, a lot of things. It's necessary for that, for the, what you would say is the success of it. But you need more of those numbers with music stuff and a consistent type of um, I guess ego or yeah, type of dopamine hit with releasing like that. With this, this is it's way more laid back and way more um, educational. I feel like I'm getting more. I feel like I'm, you know, even it's it can inspire whoever's listening to to know it's no, it's you can change or you can you know you can switch up in life. You can. You can keep doing your goal without necessarily having the validation of everybody. Because even in the, the whole creative journey, as like I said, as I can experience, we're, we're not gonna have, yeah, we're not gonna have the the validation from the people that we need or that we would want to have a validation from. And our I, I, I guess really let us know that we, you don't have to have a serious validation. We just still want to come talk to you. We like the podcast. We like this. We like that. We like your energy. We're going to support. And that's why I could say that a lot of our support comes down to the guests. You know, we moved over to a new podcast thing. You know, I still, you still have your same supporters as, you know, 
you had certain music supporters, but they didn't shift over to the podcast thing. But the podcast thing is still going, even though you would think that I can shift family and friends. You can say and friends, family and friends from over here. I should be able to shift them over here as well. And I can pull them over there with the same way. And that's kind of my spiel. It just sounds very, sometimes to me, very heartbreaking where, you know, your own fresh and blood, you know, validation. You just got a like, sister, my own flesh and blood, where she'd made some comments about stuff about me creating and, you know, and it just sort of upsets me, but, you know, it's my sister. So, you know, I just have to let it, don't internalize it. So, you know, it can be heartbreaking and, you know, you don't want to be around toxic, toxic, I can say toxicity. Toxicity. I can't say it. Thank you. Thank you for the interpretation. Um, I can't can't ever say that word. You don't want to be around toxic people. You just have to do what's good for you because, you don't want it to Im- impact on you, your creativity. Another thing very important I want to say about why I created the podcast or why I come to be a digital creator as well. I find it quite hard, especially over the last kind of couple of years, to be in certain spaces where I feel safe as a black woman in the UK or whatever. Mm. And it's very exhausting, especially after the George Floyd um incident um incident you know the murder um where all of a sudden this hyper visibility of blackness has came meaning like oh you're you're a jeweler and you're black okay oh you're oh and it's just like i was a jeweler and black before and it's just with this black lives matter things are happening the black square and it's very exhausting because for me, I don't know how it's for you, but all of a sudden, all these people are like, tell me about your experiences. I never knew about racism. Oh my God, oh my God. And then you have to explain yourself and then it's emotional labor. And then people promise stuff that, oh, I like to help you. I want to be anti-racist too. And it's been two years and I haven't seen you do anything. So I'm just like, I, I was very optimistic. That, oh, there's gonna, there's gonna be changes. Things are good. And then nothing's changed. Not much has changed. Yeah. Nothing. So I'm like, why am I putting myself in these spaces where a large cohort of people who don't really care about me or care about my human existence or care about my people who just want to exist as human beings? We just want to live. We just want the same opportunity. We're not asking for handouts. We just want the same opportunities in, in, in life, you know? You know what I mean? And I think the digital space where it's not controlled by mass media, where I don't have to watch my P's and Q's. I don't have to code switch when talking to people. This is a good space. I feel safe. I can be myself in other spaces I can't because if I'm too confident, uh, if I speak my mind, oh, aggressive. I'm just, I'm, I'm not being horrible, you know what I mean? So um, I don't know if it reached over to the States. There was a story about this black girl where not for, in London who got strip, strip search by the police while she was on a period. Have you heard about that? Did that make over to the States? Because sometimes when black stories happen in, in Britain, you don't really hear about stuff. You always hear about African-American stuff, but not really about the other diaspora. Mm. 
I'm glad you mentioned that. Did you hear about it? No, no we, never we heard haven't about heard it. about it. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So if you just her name, it's called Schoolgirl Q. So you don't know her real name because it's protected because she's a child. But mm-hmm. Schoolgirl Q. Basically, these teachers in Hackney, a borough in London, in East London, um, they the teachers in in the high school thought that she she smelled of weed or cannabis, and they're like called the police for a class C, B drug. It's not even like cocaine. It's not on the hierarchy of high, high drugs. Just that's number one. And that's police to strip her naked. Her parents weren't there. Mm-hmm. So their safeguarding is like, if, if, if you're a minor, you need to, you need to tell the parents. Right. And parents need to be present if there's going to be a naked strip search. Yeah. They don't take off her sanitary towel or her pad and expose her private parts to the police. So these things are very, very triggering. I'm sorry to make to to take the thing um lower, a lower tone. That's not what we're here to talk about. No, but, it's understanding now. But it's so important for for your podcast and for what you do and creating these spaces where people can talk without feeling restricted and mind their peace and cues. Because sometimes when you talk to white counterparts. The white tears come, the white fragility come. They don't want to hear it. They just palm you off because it, it's not relatable to them. They don't understand. It's, it's just not their lives, is it? So what can you do? I can spend my whole life trying to convince white people just to treat me as a human being, or I can just conserve my energy and just try to create, to create good, good things in my life and be around people who show care. And I, I thank you for the space because I'm telling you, it's, it's not always there. And the, and the digital space, this space, I feel like I can be more myself and so, and um, not feel at threat. Yeah. And it, it took me some time to even get into it as, as far as, as well with being comfortable and understanding like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a, I just have to be comfortable just being me and you know being professional at the same time but still you know because season one was a little different this is more of you know kind of an organized season but I'm still grateful for both seasons because I'm still you know understanding the freedom of this this platform as well you know so appreciate you for acknowledging you know saying thank you for what we do because she needs to hear it often (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Gypsy, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so important. It's so important. And for you just to connect with me over the pond, you know, of, you know, I I, I, really, I I appreciate it. I really do. I sincerely do. Um, so thank you so much. And maybe I feel a bit more emo- emotional because of that, of that story. And I'm sure you might feel quite emotional when you hear stuff in the news african-americans and stuff like that what's happening but but a lot of things are parallel um Mm. you know you may not know even you know just some of the the little things that you mentioned from you know the the creator frustration yeah even you know believe it or not she she probably never listens but even like you said the sensitive things that your sister say without knowing you know or just what family will say without knowing that as you know as creators like yo it it's her purpose 
<laughs> but just even having to yeah. defend that you should do what you do versus, yeah. you know, stick to your nine to five or whatever is the, I guess, what's called the safest route uh, or how people feel is safer route. Yeah, I guess even to go back to that, um, you said you have degrees. What do you, what do you um, have degrees in? Huh? So my first degree is a psychology degree. Okay. My second degree is a master's in social research because I thought I was going to do a PhD. I thought I was going to be a doctor in like sociology or something. And it just didn't work out. So my mom is still upset with me because my mom wanted to tell people that I was going to be a doctor. Mm. Not, and that did not happen. And I think she's take that with her to the grave. I can't, you just, you, you just got to live your life, isn't it? And I have like a diploma in like youth and community work and stuff like that. So congratulations yeah. on those accomplishments, accomplishment, accomplishment, accomplishment. Wow. Suffering. Tongue twister. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I've transferred my speech stuff. <laughs> toxic, toxicity. Just about said it. But thank yeah. you very much. But you know, yeah. it, as we learned from, even from a lot of the guests that we um, talked to a lot of, even some of the um, spiritual guests, that's one of the things that they kind of tell us that it's, it's okay. Parents are going to be like that. I can, even from my mom, I'm not the cellist and superstar that my mom wants me to be. So she, she managed to get into it herself. So she does acting now to cover that superstar part that I guess she wanted from us, but there's still that you should go back to and get your degree. No. I can't even think about or wrap my head around listening in a class to a professor or anything like that. Unless they come here, I can talk to the professor like this. But yeah, she's that's and one. And there's the YouTube. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's YouTube. I mean, let's put a. a but that, a like you said, you have, you have that paper though, and that's what she wants me to have—that paper. But. Just like can you invest the college dropout? You can have all these degrees and be homeless, and can you pay your bills? Yeah. Can you? So I was inspired you know, by Kanye to drop out of college. <laughs> Do you watch his documentary? No, I haven't watched it yet. That's the one on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but yeah, I was a. I, I kind of looked at it and I just, I didn't see myself needing a degree in the path that I was taking or wanting to need a degree. And I didn't want to be an orchestra teacher. <laughs> but also sometimes the degree is not going to teach you everything you need. In my case, um, I, whatever I do is because I took my personal time to learn some things, even in the web development space, if I just took whatever I learned in school and took that to the job, I wouldn't have any jobs that I've had. Like it's, I had to teach myself a lot of things in order to get the job. So the degree doesn't, and, it, and this happens in a lot of different industries where, you know, the degree is mostly theories and not really practical knowledge that you can apply to the job immediately. So yeah. doesn't quite mean you can and we're in the it. time of cryptocurrency and you know nfts and right it's like there's a whole nother way to make a living now you know that doesn't require 
the I forgot what the indoctrination or the the programming yeah, of college. I just want to say, if you're a lawyer or a doctor or architect or something like those, I think you might need a degree. But anything else, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, if you're, you know, if you're going to make medically examine me, I do want you to do some training. So I just want to say that. But for everything else, YouTube University, man, YouTube University, I tell you, yeah, or podcast university, like you, the new just, university, yeah. But to add to that, what you said. Um, even if you're a doctor or lawyer listening, please take the time out to learn some stuff outside of school because yes. it doesn't matter what degree or what institution you learned your stuff from, like everything is written by certain people and everything is kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, make sure you do your own studies afterwards and use your own discernment because. Shout out to Herbalist Kareem. Yeah, he's he has a podcast and was it Four Cycles of Life? That's the name, I think, of his his website, four fourcyclesoflife.com. But he's a, a herbalist that, you know, was kind of he has he he spoke a lot about even family members, people not listening to him because he's not a doctor or he doesn't have the white coat. So he's having to pursue getting a doctor just to fit the influence to be able to help people listen to him. Mm, that, that, that validation, that Western validation, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, before we get ready to close things out, would you like to share um, any new projects with, with the audience or anything that you, you know you have going on? Yes. I should have talked about that, shouldn't I? Thank you. Still talk about it. Yeah, still tell us about it. Okay, so, there, so there's a few things. So I already said about medulla. Um, so make things and find your. So, uh oh, just cut up a little bit. Which is precious metal. Oh, uh oh. Gold. Oh. Oh yeah. no, you see, when I'm talking about my own stuff, the, 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 like the universe says no. Freezing the universe up, says no. Cool. So yeah, so I'm a jeweler, my precious jewelry. When, I, when you say oh, yeah. I'm it a multidisciplinary It must be the jewelry. Artist. Yes, the main thing I do make my oh, no more jewelry. Okay, hold on, hold so on. I hold do on. film. No, no, no. <laughs> We're gonna do this again because I can always edit it. I don't know why it's doing it. No. Okay. Sure. Is it good? Okay. Yeah, just leave it. All right. Okay. All right. Let's try it one more time. So, tell us I about the jury. Yeah, tell us about the jury project that you have. Great. Um, I Figures out of jewelry, precious metals, fine jewelry. I won an award last year um, in the UK Jewelry Oscars with one of my jewelry designs. I should wear it, but I don't have it on. I'm very sorry. Uh, it's called This Is My Switch. It's a gender neutral pendant. Um, it has cornrows on it. It's about celebrating diversity and inclusion. I am a filmmaker as well. I have a film which has been selected for the London Independent Film Awards, which is happening next month. That 
film is a short film about black British women and women women I I talked to uh, moms and daughters looking at the legacies looking at jewelry looking at what they want to pass on to their moms and, and their daughters and things like that and the last thing is I have a exhibition of art public art exhibition in East London called TaylorMade look exploring the relationship of cancer and jewelry so what I did, I teamed up with a cancer researcher scientist, just cutting edge technology, looking at cancer research. I we was talking to people who have been directly or indirectly affected by cancer, could have had cancer or had a loss of someone who don't know who had cancer, got them to, de to design their own jewelry, inspired by the research and inspired of their cancer journey. And then I made it for them and we're putting it in an exhibition. So we have portraits of them wearing the jewelry, we've got documentaries, We've got all this information talking about cancer research and exploring people reclaiming their narrative of what cancer means to them. Because a lot of people when they have cancer, there's a lot of like things, what they're told, a lot of medical things. It's not humanized, you know, in, in the UK, like one in two people have cancer, right? So mm -hmm. it's such a taboo subject when it happens a lot and it's not always explored in a public space. So. Those are the main things what I'm doing, but, and also the lovely podcast, Black Creative Handbook, what we talked about um, earlier. So love to connect with people and to check out the podcasts and listen to people's journeys and to inspire people, especially when, when it gets tough or when you're on a high and just carry on creating because we all need um, creators, we all need artists. We all need people to make the world better, this thing called life. So that is me. What's your jewelry uh, making process? Do you do metal, metal smithing and all of that as well? Yeah, all of that. Um, you know, I have a studio. Um, I take metal, manipulate it, hammer, do whatever I need to do to make whatever it needs to be done. Um, just to make it look pretty and whatever what people want. I just recently yeah. got into um, into that when I found some some crystals and I started wrapping my own and then I was like wait I want to do more and then I started learning about metal smithing and you know I'm like okay I need to I need to get a house first I need like a, a little studio with for the torching and all of that stuff but yeah something that I'm interested in in learning more about in the future do it do it express to yourself jewelry is amazing it's one of the physical things your physical emotion your physical personality you can actually wear it and tell your story so if you can do that that'd be amazing well we appreciate you for sharing that with us um thank you for our to our listeners who kind of um, been working with us we know this podcast has a little been a little weird in the on the choppy side as far as audio wise but Thank you for, you know, staying here with us and supporting and just, you know, all of the above. We'd like to thank you again, Cassandra, mm -hmm. for sharing a lot with us. We definitely would like to have another podcast with you and, you know, discuss more about everything from London to things there, because there's some more things that I'd like to ask. Or, but I just don't have, I had to listen to this podcast and then kind of take some notes and then come back and, 
and ask some things, but you mentioned a lot of things. And it's a, like I said, the parallel of what you're experiencing as a creative there and kind of what creators here experience is, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like similar dimensions, but it's like, how is that the same thing there? But we know it's something else. So we'll figure it out. And hopefully, um, some of our listeners will be able to hear this and have some young creators in their family and be inspired to support them and understand, you know, the creative struggle that a lot of creators who are starting off or still um, creating has been creating for a long time, successful and burnt out. <laughs> a lot of creators get burnt out and, you know, people don't understand why. Yeah. It's because it's, it's full speed a lot of times for, for a lot of us in order to, you know, just kind of get where we can monetize, just where we can monetize. Yeah. So, thank you for every, to everyone. And for the podcast, you can find us at americangypsy.com. You can find consistent self-improvement merch at luamlee.com. And we also have some music you can check out under Classic Carpenter, K-L-A-C-C-I-K. Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. And that's on Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, and YouTube, all other major platforms as well. Thank you again to everybody for listening. Consistent self-improvement and peace. peace.